American Capitalism, A History, with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist. So when we look at the question of the conversion of the American uh, peacetime economy into an industrial war machine, and we say, did it actually work? Maybe we should first uh, ask, did it work for workers? And I think the answer here uh, is a pretty clear yes, especially we, if we look at the context of the Great Depression that, that people had just lived through. So uh, the American uh, average wage rises uh, by about two-thirds during the course of the war, adjusting for inflation, which is kept pretty low by, by the Office of Price Administration. Unemployment drops off the charts to unprecedented levels. So it had been about 14% still in 1940 after uh, almost 11 years of depression. And despite all of the ground that the New Deal had gained, it was still persisting pretty high. It's under 1% by 1944. Also during World War II, uh, unions ha have an incredibly um, fertile uh, era. Uh, they're able to organize, they're able to gain new members, uh, they work in partnership with corporations and wish the, with the government to really expand their ground, uh, expand their membership, and expand the wages uh, of, of their members. So for workers, World War II is a time of great success. So what about for corporations? Well, if the purpose of corporations is to supply lots of money to their executives, then perhaps World War II is not a great success. From a high of about 23% uh, of all income, the top 1% of the American population in terms of income distribution, from a high of 23% in 1928, right before the Great Depression, that share going to the top 1% drops to about 11% by 1944. And a lot of this is because of high tax rates, but also because of simply the, the way that most of the gains to the American economy in the American economy in the 1940s are distributed to the people who are actually working in the factories that are making all of the airplanes and so on. But if you say the purpose of the corporations, particularly during World War II, is to actually produce things, produce things that the country needs in order to survive and win the war, then you have to say yes. This is a great decade as well. So the American economy increases tenfold from 1940 to 1945, ten times over its production of planes. It increases uh, ten times over its production of munitions, ten times over its production of ships. And it quadruples its production of aluminum, doubles its production of steel, and doubles its production of rubber, all absolutely crucial war-fighting materials. So from that perspective, it's a, it's a decade of success for corporations as well. And what about on the battlefield? Because it's here, at least the military historians will argue, that the actual outcome of World War II is decided. And here, the American industrial war machine is absolutely crucial. Over the course of the war, the U.S. Uh, economy produces the same number of airplanes that the entire world produces. In other words, they have 50% of the entire globe's production of warplanes during the course of World War II. They produce something like seven out of every eight warships that are produced during World War II. They make so much, the American economy makes so much, in fact, so much is coming out of American factories that the U.S. is able to supply 
the uh, militaries of its allies to a great extent. Most of the trucks that are used in the Soviet army, the army which is to a large extent responsible for the land defeat of the Nazis, most of the trucks, most of the airplanes that the Soviets are using by 1944 come from the United States. Huge quantities, maybe something like a quarter of all British war material is produced in the United States. And without that assistance, it's, a, it's an open question whether or not those two countries would have been able to fight off the Nazi war machine. So by those measures, by its impact on the battlefield, the U.S. industrial war machine is also a great success. The public-private partnership that is the U.S. war economy is so successful, in fact, that by 1944, it's able to take about 5% of the entire economy's production, about 5% of the GNP, and devote that to a secret project, to literally make 5% of the economy disappear, and nobody seems to miss it. That project is the Manhattan Project, the years-long effort that ultimately leads to the creation of the first nuclear weapons. Those weapons, which are of course dropped on the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, and bring in a final end to the war, these are obviously decisive in World War II itself. But they are also an element uh, in the decisive, consequential outcome of the war from the perspective of who is going to uh, be the most powerful uh, in the post-World War II world. What economies, what countries, what systems are going to dominate the post-World War II world? And the American industrial war machine is uh, tremendously important in ensuring that the U.S. would stand almost alone at the end of World War II, with only Soviet, the Soviet Union as a potential rival, uh, as the dominant economic, military, financial, political force in the world. In 1945, not only does the U.S. have a monopoly on nuclear weapons, not only does it have a monopoly almost on naval power, not only does it have ground and air power competitive with that of the Soviet Union, it also by itself generates 50% of the world's industrial production. It controls or has partnerships with those who control almost all of the world's exportable oil resources. It controls international monetary flows. All of this is a product ultimately of the success of the American industrial economy during World War II. For more information, go to edX.org and look for American Capitalism, A History with Lewis Hyman and Edward Baptist, or go to facebook.com slash American Capitalism MOOC. This podcast has been brought to you by Cornell X from Cornell University.